4, verses 13 to 18. There are some Bibles at the back if anyone wants to follow through. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's, again, a great privilege to be here together. Uh, before we look at God's word, let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, may truly we experience your encouragement in these words today. Uh, Lord, I come to this task weak and needy. Uh, may you grant me that grace to serve your people well and you well. And Father, our desire is to be good soil, that we would hear and believe your word, that we'll take it to heart and obey what it says, that you would produce in us just a wonderful harvest of holiness, godliness, righteousness and love. Please, by the power of your spirit, may you fulfil this in each of us today. Amen. Friends, I've witnessed the weeping wife whose husband has abandoned her. I've witnessed the weeping businessman who has lost his home. I've witnessed the weeping criminal who's lost his freedom. I've witnessed the weeping cancer patient as they come to terms with uncertainty of life. I've witnessed the weeping widow who lost her husband of 67 years. And I've witnessed countless weeping daughters and sons as they watch the coffin of their mother and fathers descend into the ground. Out of all the grief that I've witnessed, none is greater than the grief which is experienced through death. Uh, John Stott, a great Christian writer, I think is so right when he says that to lose a loved one is to lose a part of oneself. Not only is the pain of grief deep, 
but there seems to be no cure. Uh, I was shopping in Hobart uh, this year with uh, my uh, beautiful wife, Elizabeth, and we entered a gift store. And there was a lovely lady uh, who owned the gift store, and we struck up a very warm conversation with her. Uh, during that conversation, and I can't remember how we got onto it, but she shared with us how her daughter had died. And not wanting to avoid talking about the death of a daughter, I asked her and said, what was your daughter's name? And at that very moment, tears welled up in her eyes. And she said her name was Lorraine. She then told me that her daughter had died 20 years ago. The pain of grief may lessen over time, but wherever we live on this earth, it's always there. Friends, the pain we experience in grief moves us, and it often moves us to look for hope. We want to hold on to something that will help us in our grief. And one of my observations is people try to find hope in all sorts of things, but often through sentiments like, my loved one is looking down from above, or they are with me in spirit. You might remember in his election victory speech, Anthony Albanese, our Prime Minister, said, to my mum, who's beaming down on us, thank you. Now, those are lovely sentiments, without doubt. But that's all they are. They are feelings that do not rest on certainty. But because the pain of grief is so deep, people hold on to such feelings as if they're based on fact. And, and such sentiments for a time certainly may make a person feel better, but the hope they promise never seems certain. Our secular society, believe it or not, is beginning to recognise the inadequacies of a Western world approach to death and grief and is offering a solution. Uh, in short, uh, traditionally, as a Western world, we don't talk about death. We avoid death. Uh, death cuts us off from all the idols we love and worship. And so death is such an enemy in our thinking that we often live as if we're not going to die, as I've mentioned before. One of the problems with such a view is that when death comes, you're not prepared. And despair and grief and anxiety and fear confront many, many people. And our secular society is truly beginning to recognise this. Uh, this movement began in America, but now it's certainly come to Australia. It's called Death Positive Movement. Uh, the aim of this movement is to normalise death because... The belief is if we normalise death, we'll deal better with fear and grief. Right? But here's the question, can death be normalised? You can try, but what you end up doing is devaluing life. See, if you believe that death is a natural friend to be embraced rather than an unnatural enemy to be overcome then death becomes a valid therapeutic option alongside others to help us with the problems of life. 
So you have to, uh, this is just an aside, but you have to ask the question, how is it possible for a society to believe that abortion and euthanasia are socially good things that will build up our society, such therapies that we can embrace that will help us? How could we even come to that conclusion? Well, death, if death is a friend to embrace rather than an enemy to overcome, why not use death as a therapy? In Australia, uh, there are uh, um, a very well-known psychologist whose life work has focused on death anxiety. Um, they're leaders in the field, these two uh, folk, and they've co-written a book called Mortals, How the Fear of Death Has Shaped Human Society. And the only reason why I mention this is that they are arguing from a secular position rather than a religious position to help answer the problem of fear and grief we experience through death. I'm just going to give you a quote from their book. They say, Accept your mortality. Enjoy each moment you have and learn to embrace the reaper. He is not grim, but comes to give you rest and to make room for another. Uh, they, the authors say that this is the take-home of their book, and I've read their book, of course. And they argue that nothing awaits us after death. They also argue that the belief in life after death is a futile attempt to try to alleviate the fear of death. And the secular solution they present to the problem of grief and fear in death is neutral acceptance. Death is neither good nor bad and leads to rest. But how can the Grim Reaper give us rest if death is a state of non-existence? See, rest is an experience. It's felt. It's enjoyed. If you don't exist after death then you cannot experience rest and death, cannot lead or be a positive experience. They also argue that the fear of death and the pain of grief can be soothed by the knowledge that our death is making room for the next generation. Now, as you know, I'm a chaplain at the Launceston General Hospital. A, a day doesn't go by where I'm not holding the hand of the sick or the dying. I can tell you from first-hand experience, the knowledge that your death is making room for another does not help a person with fear and pain or hope in the midst of a loss of their loved ones. Why do I say this? Well, friends, if sentiment and secularism is unable to provide us with a hope and the help we need in our grief, what can? The Lord Jesus Christ, he provides hope and help for the Christian in death and grief. Let me reread to you the verses that were read out for us this morning, verses 13 and 14. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 
Did you notice in those verses how the apostle describes the Christian dead? Do you find it curious? Those who have fallen asleep. Sleep here is a euphemism for death and it's used by Paul. It's purposeful because what it indicates is that the Christian dead are alive. See, for the Christian, death is like sleep. Let me explain. As one wakes up from sleep, so the Christian wakes up from death. And not after a period of time. This is not soul sleep. But instantly, after the moment of death. This was the experience of a criminal who was crucified uh, alongside Jesus. Do you remember him calling out to Jesus? Do you remember what he said? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A wonderful, a wonderful expression of faith. And do you remember Jesus' reply? Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. See, Paul's point is the Christian dead are alive, which means that the separation that we now experience from our sisters and brothers in Christ through death is temporary. The day will come when we will be reunited. Together, we will be with the Lord Jesus Christ enjoying the blessings of a new heaven and a new earth. This is why Paul can say to the Thessalonians that while they grieve the death of their Christian loved ones, because with death comes terrible grief, their grief is not without hope. The certain hope that the Christian dead are alive and that one day we will meet them again in glory. Just a word on the word hope. Christian hope is different to worldly hope. See, let me give you the best example I can give you of worldly hope. And speaking here as a Swan supporter. I hope the Swans win the grand final. (laughs) No certainty is there. Well, there is now. but Christian hope is very different. It's being certain of what you don't yet have. Isn't that wonderful? We don't yet have life in the new kingdom. We don't yet have resurrection life. But the Christian is certain that we have hope because one day we will have them. This is why, and this is truly why, the Christian grief is not characterised by despair. Certainly, Christian grief is painful and there's much heartache, and please don't hear me minimise such emotions, but it's not filled with despair, but with the expectation that one day the pain of separation will be replaced with the joy of reunion. My sisters and brothers, is not this wonderfully good news? This is a good news that gives hope in grief. It helps ease the pain that we feel in death. And wonderfully, it dissolves, or should dissolve, the fear of death. And unlike unlike sentimentality or secular philosophy, Christian hope rests on the foundation of history. See, that that Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago was crucified by the Romans outside Jerusalem and was laid in a tomb only to rise 
three, only to, to rise from the dead three days later is attested to by Christian, Jewish and Roman historians of the time. The New Testament records that well over 500 people saw the Lord Jesus Christ with their own eyes after being uh, dead in a tomb for three days. The Christian hope of resurrection life is not based on wishful thinking. This is not Christian sentimentality. This is not something that is simply there to make us feel good. The Christian hope of resurrection rests on historical facts. It is verifiable and it has not been successfully refuted in 2,000 years. See, Paul in verse 14 of Thessalonians chapter 4 declares that the Christian resurrection is made possible because of Christ Jesus' resurrection. We read... For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Friends, it is through the risen Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father will bring with him on that last day everyone who has died in Christ. And in fact, in 1 John 1 verse 2, the Lord Jesus Christ is described as the eternal life. And as the eternal life, he shares his power of resurrection with his people. And furthermore, if you look in the book of Hebrews, the writer there affirms in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, that through the death of the Lord Jesus, we are freed from both the power and fear of death. Again, what great news. So if you are a Christian here this morning and you have been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness, then please take hold of a certain hope that is in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. While it is both right and appropriate to grieve, because death will cut you off from everything you have in this world and everything you love... Do not grieve as if there's no hope of life after death. While the shadow of death will come over you, it has no power to hold you. Do you remember how King David in Psalm 23 describes death? The valley of a shadow of death. Why does David describe death as a shadow? Because a shadow might come over you, but it has no power to hold you. See, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died, was buried and rose again, is the power of life for your resurrection. While you lose everything on earth, you gain the the incredible blessing of heavenly glory. And not least, you will be with Christ. And as I mentioned before, you will see Christ in his unobscured glory. And you yourself will be pure and blameless. What joy, what life lies before you. My sisters and brothers, 
if you're in that position today, Christ Jesus is your hope and help as you suffer the pain that arises from the knowledge of your coming death. If today you are mourning or grieving the loss of your Christian loved ones, please receive the hope that the Lord Jesus Christ extends to you. And it's this. The Christian dead are alive. More than this, what they have lost on earth through death pales into in comparison to what they have gained in heavenly glory. Your hope, your help in the pain of grief is the resurrection. Both Christ and yours. Because on account of Christ's resurrection, one day you too will be raised to new life and one day you will be with your loved ones who know the Lord. As Christians, we grieve, and most certainly. And the reason being is the pain of death is so deep, isn't it? It is so deep. And while there is no present cure for our grief, there isn't. There is a future one. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. It's an incredible vision, isn't it? It's a vision of a new heavens and a new earth, where we will be with God. He will be with us. He goes on and says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Every tear. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. My sisters and brothers, that is a vision of your future and mine too. The old order of things have not passed away yet so we are still grieving, aren't we, and mourning and suffering. But take heart. The day is coming when you and I will share perfect communion with God and he'll heal the wounds that have caused so much pain upon this world. Death, grieving and pain will be banished forever. So take heart, my grieving sister and brother in the Lord. For there is a day coming when your pain will be no more. Your grief will once and for all be cured and everything that is wrong now will be put right. This is our hope and help in our present grief. If this morning you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, please take the time to hear what the Lord is saying to you in his word. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father can give you life after death. Your hope in death is not found in sentiment or philosophy. It is found in a person, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I would invite you to come to Jesus and believe in him. Believe that he is the Lord over death and rest your faith in 
in him to share with you his resurrection power. And please be assured, Christ Jesus never turns away anyone who comes to him. If you read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there is not one example where Christ will turn away anyone who seeks him. And Jesus is the same today, yesterday and forever. Friends, when we consider our own impending death, or even the death of our loved ones, if you're anything like me, we can be overwhelmed with a feeling of hopelessness. Let me affirm to you today, faith in Christ alone counters such feelings because he is the way through death. He has gone before you. He is the way to resurrection and life. Use Christ as your way to everlasting life. Believe in Christ because he is the truth. He satisfies your every need to understand both life and death. And live in Christ because he is the life. He is your resurrection. He is your forgiveness. He is your righteousness. He is your redemption. He is your wisdom. He is your strength. He has promised to give life freely to all who believe in him. And because he lives, you will live also. Live in Christ. He is your life. While the pain of grief is deep, the hope that Christ offers is ever deeper. Let me pray. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you are our one true God. And we thank you that you come near to us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and dwelling us through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Father, you adopt us as your children, that you would be close to us, especially in our time of grief and pain. Father, in your mercy, would you please give to us a deeper faith in Christ, that in our time of suffering, pain and hardship, we will pour our souls upon him, and experience the rest and peace that he promises. Father, lead us, we pray, in the way of life, in the way of Christ, that we would choose daily that path of wisdom and that way of righteousness. And we pray particularly when we suffer the temptations and the sufferings of our souls in grief, in fear and in death that we may persevere in your Son, experience the hope that you have promised. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.